from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. I think we should we should just give up on the synchronicity. <laughs> just, yeah, we, it's broken. It's meant, it is broken forever. <laughs> Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. I'm MJ, and this is Mark. Oh wow, what a great! We're having a good morning this morning. We are. Mm-hmm. We're firing on all cylinders in this brand new uh, soundboard equipped podcast studio, uh, sponsored by the Bigfoot Media. Podcast media network, network. Sons of bitches. <laughs> it's now covered with pork rind uh, <laughs> dust. However, the most delicious pork rinds. Are <laughs> so good. <laughs> we had oh to stop God. eating them before we. Yeah, because yeah. So that's what we had for breakfast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is actually um, just <clears throat> slightly more than my normal coffee for breakfast yeah. that I find time for as I rush on my way here. <laughs> Traffic was shitty this morning. Was it? Oh, wow. shitty. 55 minutes. Oh, oh, my word. I got in in 25. It usually takes about an hour. Mm. So the highway was packed, but I came to the back. Oh. God, it takes you guys longer to, for me than for me to get here. On the bus, it takes me 30 minutes. You also live closer. Yeah, I guess that's true. Six miles versus... You didn't bike in today? Oh, no. So under what can... How do you make that decision in the morning? It's it's 100% cold. Okay. Not wet. I have rain gear, but if it's too cold, my body's like... Mm-mm. So is there... Is it <clears throat> 40, 50? What's the cold? Under 40, and okay. I'm not coming. Really? On, on a bike? bike yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> under thirty and screw the show. Exactly. <laughs> no, under thirty, under forty, and I'll c- catch the bus like this morning. This morning was right on the border. We yeah, we're in the mid- definitely in the middle of rainy season right now, and it is just ankle deep mud um, as far as the eye can see at my place. Mm-hmm. It is so, it is so wet. Well, it's interesting because I was on the bus with um, the Afro Survivor list. Again? Yeah. She, she, we. Anytime I'm on the bus, she usually catches the same bus. You're BFFs now. I know. Sharon Ross. High I know five. her by name. Woo. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about how different this winter has been compared to last winter. Last winter here in Portland was so cold and snowy and right. icy. And we've got basically a summer, a wet summer going mm. on for winter now. Right. Yeah, it is just wet and medium cold. Um, seems like forever. I was listening to the weather report yesterday, and they're like, "Yep, it's this for the next ten days." So I was hunker t- down. I was talking with a woman about this weather situation in Portland, and she said it's something I had not realized that the winter cold winters tend to kill off the insects that mm-hmm. you would otherwise have in the summer. And this season, we're not going to have that. So she's worried about what the summers are going to be like here. Worried about bugs. Yeah. Yep. So when you're on the bus with the Afro survivalist. Mm-hmm. Do, do you like keep an extra eye on her in case she starts to bug out? And you're just gonna chase after <laughs> exactly. her. I'm going with it's her. Like, hey, exactly. I can carry your shit. <laughs> exactly. Does she have any feedback about the whole missile? Like, um, uh, there was a missile. Uh, oh, the thing in th- Hawaii. In Hawaii. Oh my gosh! Did you hear about that? Does she have yeah, any feedback yeah. on that? No, she didn't. Oh, that's, that'd be no, so weird. She didn't. Um, but she did. 
not good for radio f- to, for me to have a mind blank, but I'm having oh. one right now. Stars. We also ran into her <clears throat> two or three weeks ago at Fire in the Mountain too. Oh, that's right, wings. we did. Yeah, she and she was out on a um, a, an emergency radiology drill. Right, drill. Yeah, she had her. They, she said radiology? she had Geiger counter. Oh, well, she works for the state in emergency services, and oh. her her department responds to radiological disasters. Oh, okay. I wonder if she carries around the Geiger counter for like you know when there's long lines. <laughs> <laughs> excuse, excuse me, me excuse, excuse me, me. Yeah. pardon coming me through, excuse coming me. through oh that'd be awesome but apparently her 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 uh, afro survivor list brand is is kicking off she's been invited by the naacp to come in and talk to african-americans about emergency preparedness and so um yeah she's cool. getting some business through there speaking about biz new, new business <clears throat> speaking of business business our guest today um luke Cramps camps camps can't am I getting that right? I'm, Camp I, camps. I, I, yep. I, I can't see. I can't seem to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you're working the whole name thing yeah. today, right? <laughs> Sorry, Luke. So <laughs> no Luke problem. is Luke, oh, one of our next guests is in. She just walked in. Um, Luke is is the owner of I presume the owner of Camps Tiny Homes. Who, yes, correct. Yes, a building company in Colorado that opened their doors last year. And uh, he is very fortunate to come on the Tiny House podcast as a new builder because he's going to get an opportunity to reach out to thousands of Tiny House. Mm-hmm. And he's one of our number one fans. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, Luke, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's going to be hard for you to get in a word edgewise, edgewise because we're so popping over here. Because we're firing Popping with pork rinds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so, so the big question I have for you, Luke, is I have two big questions. The first one is, What's going to differentiate your builds from anyone else's out there? Well, we're trying to do fully custom, you know, and uh, from my background of, you know, high-end custom remodels, you know, we're trying to, to take that right to the tiny houses and, uh, and make them as nice as possible <laughs> and high quality as possible. And so my second question is going to be, how are you going to stay in business? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, how far we've come. <laughs> Goading yes, guests. That's, yeah, that is uh, <clears throat> uh, proven to be a challenge for sure, you know, finding that, that uh, happy medium between, you know, a very nice tiny house and affordability for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I believe we met in um, Colorado, right, at the Colorado uh, Tiny House Festival last year? Correct. Yeah, and so um, I they have a very very cool um, gooseneck, correct? Ours is a bumper pull. It, it appears as a gooseneck the way we built it, but it is a bumper pull. So. Oh yeah, that's what. Okay. Well, so hang on a second because he hasn't answered the question. <clears throat> so 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 Luke, a lot of a lot of tiny house builders they come in here, especially new ones. They come in thinking they're the bee's knees, and I'm not saying you're thinking this, but they they come in and they start trying to do these builds, and they find out that oh my gosh, this is there's not a whole lot of uh, margin here, especially right. in the custom build area. And so they come to come and go. And then the other thing that happens that we've discovered as the tiny house movement has progressed and matured is that um, people coming from um, residential building experience tend to think that building a tiny home is as easy as building a, a, re- a traditional home. And so they don't really understand the nuances and the difficulties of it and end up building, in some cases, pieces of crap. And so, right. so what have you guys done or what are you doing to avoid those pitfalls that so many others have seemed to fallen into? 
So we are, as far as the building uh, quality, you know, we have, we've uh, remodeled to, you know, our strict code guidelines, you know, as far as on the residential side. Um, so taking that into building a, uh, a tiny home, you know, is very apparent for us to make sure the, the details are there and the mechanical systems are working correctly. And, and we did choose to be a NOAA uh, certified builder. So they are also inspecting our builds uh, as we go. Um, so there's records of our, our build for a uh, homeowner when they purchase a home from us. So, um, so we want to make sure, you know, that our potential buyer, you know, has tons of confidence be- behind our build, um, you know, as far as that goes. You know, and there's little details that we did on our model home, you know, as far as mechanicals. We we tried to, you know, we kept all the water lines in heated space. We closed cell spray foam the entire thing. Um, you know, we used plywood sheathing instead of OSB, you know, trying to to take that next level of making sure it's a strong structure and, and works correctly. Did you use screws or nails? Why are we you laughing, nailed Michelle? <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm laughing we, because we I had balls. I'm laughing because I had to because yesterday I texted I saw yet another screw versus nail debate on oh, Facebook okay. yesterday and I texted Andrew Morrison and said watching another screw versus nail debate on Facebook <laughs> and thinking of you um yeah so sorry I had to laugh at that because it's just it really is funny because the people that um People on both sides are just so passionate about <laughs> exactly. it. And fortunate that our whole next season is going to be screw versus nail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I can help on that debate that either one of them are just there to hold the sheet until the glue dries. Oh, no. Has anyone said that in the debate? Um... I not that I've not that I've seen. That's what I did instantly. Uh-huh. Um, my my um, exterior cladding. Uh-huh. Um, my shear force is um, glued and nailed on the on the yep. to, yeah. So so I'm a novice in all this, but Michelle is like an expert. But I've heard that the screws, the shear strength of a screw is is minuscule compared to a nail, and so that's why the nails are are preferred and i i right. totally agree with you about glue glue's really really strong oftentimes more strong than the thing than the material it's gluing together mm-hmm. um so you you guys are used you guys are relying mainly on the glue then i think so i mean that's been a, a you know kind of a carpenter thing forever you know as far as as far as adhering wood together you know the glue is what actually holds it the nail or the screw is what you know holds it till the glue dries but um you know, the secondary thing on top of that, which I'm sure you guys know, but, you know, closed cell spray foaming these units helps it even more than the glue or the nail, I think. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it definitely adds a lot of security as far as um, moisture control or, you know, not having to put as much effort into moisture control. I wish I could afford right. it, though. But is it structural? Right. Yes, it does oh, add it some. Is. There are some builders. Um, I don't know. Uh, Luke, did you build 16 on center or 24 on center? There are some builders that actually build 24 on center because they use closed mm-hmm. cell so, foam so stuff. We we built our model home, our first one, 16 on center, and then closed cell spray foam. I will build the next one, 24, just because our weight ended up um, – pretty substantial so with the closed cell spray foam uh we got engineered to um like 200 mile an hour wind right so 24 on center is going to be plenty of strength uh with the closed cell spray foam right right 
What did you use for um, joists in the roof? Roof two by sixes. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, so you have so you built one unit. Is that correct? That is correct. And this is your is this your spec or your demonstration unit? It is. It's our model home, uh, and we're actually excited. We just got uh, picked. It's going to go to Wicasa for uh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome for next year. So uh, it's been a super popular model home at the Colorado Tiny House Festival. We we won best of show. Wow. Um, you know, it's got a lot of a lot of hits on social media and stuff like that. So it's been really popular. Um, and so they, uh, we went down and talked to those guys and, and they, uh, we just got noticed last week that, uh, they want our unit down there for the next few years. So that's awesome. So that'll, that'll be great for us. And then we can start building, uh, uh, another model. Why do you say it's so hard to, why do you say the market in Colorado is so difficult? Well, and I think it's more the Northern Colorado. <laughs> I think obviously Southern Colorado, you know, they're, building like crazy down there there's uh there's communities there's all those things uh northern colorado as of now is very restrictive of where we can put them unfortunately and you know and so we are working on i'm actually meeting with the larimer county which is um the county that is furthest north we touch wyoming on the north side and and almost get to halfway to denver on the south side along i-25 and um meeting with them on Friday to try to open up some conversation where, you know, hopefully we can start a community or, you know, find some placement for people to put these. Cause I think that's what's holding, you know, a partial hold on the business of the builders up here is placement and financing, which is a lot of people's issues, obviously around yeah. the country of it. Yeah. So, so we have, we've been talking to some investors that, you know, if we can get the County on board, you know, they'll actually um, back our the funding of the community, and then also if homeowners want to purchase them, they'll finance the unit as long as it stays on our property. Hmm. So walk us through, um, let's do a, a sort of a verbal walkthrough of your unit itself. What does it include? Um, <clears throat> what's the floor plan look like? And also during that process, discuss a little bit about who actually designed the unit and why did you include the various aspects or not include others? Okay. So uh, you walk in our, our uh, front door and you walk basically right into the kitchen, uh, which is a uh, kind of a galley-style kitchen with a peninsula, an eat-at eat peninsula. It's a full kitchen with, uh, with dishwasher, full-size sink, uh, full-size refrigerator, uh, convection microwave oven oven uh, and custom cabinetry built by us because that's kind of our background is is custom cabinets um, and then to there's a secondary door in the back of the kitchen that actually goes out to uh, a dog deck that we have a dog door in the the back door that uh, the deck pulls out underneath the kitchen on the outside and a little fence pops up so for the little dogs to go in and out uh as they please there. So, and <laughs> that's a unique feature. That's super unique. It is. <laughs> you know, and, and as far as the design of this entire unit, we kind of designed it how we would use it. So we've, we've spent many years in, in campers and fifth wheels and stuff like that. And, and the, you know, the low points of those that, of, that don't work, you know, we kind of tried to make into, into our tiny house that would work better and, and be more livable and obviously higher quality. Um, <clears throat> so as you turn right, uh, through, from our front door, you, you go through 
we have a sunken living room. It's a little step down with a uh, L-shaped couch and TV and more cabinetry uh, around the entertainment center. Uh, and then above the living room, above the bathroom, is one sleeping loft, kind of a guest sleeping loft. Uh, and then down the hallway under the loft is the full bathroom that has a um, shower, RV-style flushing toilet, washer-dryer combo, and a vanity sink in the bathroom. And then as you go down the hall up the, about three steps, you get into the master bedroom, which is probably our most popular feature. You can actually stand up fully in our master bedroom. Hmm. Uh, it has a queen-size bed and full cabinetry storage behind, uh, behind the bed as the headboard. That's what I'm going to do in my next one. Yeah. I'm going to have that standing room the at mezzanine. the end of the bed. Yeah, yeah the mm-hmm. mezzanine kind of thing. Um, yeah. I and love that. I love that. Yeah. And you, that's been at the few, you know, we've been to three tiny home shows here in Colorado now. And that's the number one thing people say is, you know, being able to stand up in the bedroom and walk around the entire bed yeah. um, is is a huge feature. So our second model will be kind of a, a play off of that also, I think, the mm-hmm. uh, you know, just in kind of a not quite as high end of a of a model. So, so you talked about it. It's um, actually a bumper pull, but looks like a fifth it wheel. You like wanna wheel. you? That's why I thought it was a fifth wheel. Yeah. You wanna walk yeah. us through that sort of architecture? Sure. So outside, uh, underneath the master bedroom, uh, I have doors on both sides that make it appear to be a fifth wheel. Uh, and you open those doors, and on the the uh, front door side of the tiny home, I have a pull out shelf that has a barbecue grill on it a little cooktop you could put a you know a little bar fridge on there so you kind of have a outdoor kitchen and living area uh, that pulls out from that side Uh, and then if you walk around to the other side you open the same style two doors and i had my mountain bike storage in there and with the water tanks and uh, some mechanicals and stuff in there so you get full storage underneath the master bedroom uh, for you know anything that that you might need for there. So so um, I'm really curious how what your expectation of the weight of this thing was and what did it actually come out to? <laughs> Especially the tongue weight. I think it's a triple weight. axle, right? It looks that, like a triple. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's a triple axle, twenty one thousand yeah. pound trailer made trailer. Yeah. Uh, so my expectation um, was hope I was hoping for around sixteen thousand pounds. Uh, it ended up at 19,800 pounds. Ooh. <laughs> wow. so, with 20, so that was, yeah. Can you imagine if you would have gone with three, 5,000 pound axles, he would have had 15,000 pounds of capacity and then went, don't. <laughs> yeah. I would have been driving it down to uh, Damon at TrailerMade and say, can you switch my axles? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Can that be done? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it oh yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a nice save yeah. then. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so, a nice backup yeah, when, plan. Yeah. <laughs> ta- talking to Damon after after I had it built and, and about the weight, and uh, he was like, we should have done 8,000-pound axles on that thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's one of the big things that we learned, uh, you know, building this unit coming from residential. We definitely thought about weight as we built, but, you know, never really compounded, you know, all the custom features we were putting in this as – you know, it could end up at 20,000 pounds. Yeah. You know, so that I think that's that's definitely something that um, will be paid attention even more on this, you know, the second 
build that we do. I saw a dual axle trailer for sale on Facebook yesterday. They posted it on the Portland Tiny House Facebook page. And it's a brand new 24-foot long tiny house. Dual, you know, dual axle, tiny house trailer, excuse Mm -hmm. me. Just the bare trailer. It was a good price. I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole because it only has 10 thousand pounds two five thousand axles ten thousand pounds on a 24 foot long (laughs) tiny house like no freaking way like and i felt because it's my page i'm one of the administrators and part of me was like oh i want to go on there and say warning please (laughs) pay attention to the fact that this is only capable of carrying ten thousand pounds i wonder why they had it configured like that or maybe it was i was a newbie it was a custom build in other words it's not a it's not a traditional quote-unquote tiny house trailer builder oh, okay they commissioned i think a friend or a welder oh. or somebody to build it for oh. them um and so people that do they just don't think yeah, they don't think you know they don't know what they don't know um and i don't know that that is why she's selling it or not that that could be another thing she yeah. maybe she figured that part out yeah. but um <laughs> i feel like going warning mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know half the thing is gonna have to be porch right <laughs> exactly. again i thought about buying it <laughs> if i had cash in the bank i probably totally would have <laughs> But only because That's I would plan point. on having like yeah. a five foot front porch and a five foot back porch <laughs> <laughs> and a fourteen foot long single story in the middle. <laughs> we were at ten thousand pounds uh, just at framing and sheathing on ours. I mean, so that's that. Uh, you'll get to ten thousand pounds real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. really fast. Because we did weigh ours progressively through the bill because we actually have a weigh station like three miles from our shop, and so we we were. We weighed it, I think, four times kind of as we built it just to kind of see where we were at. And just done with framing, we were like 9,800 pounds. You and I share a weight obsession because I'm the same way. Even even though I'm a private builder, I'm not a public builder, obviously. I always weigh them as many times as I can possibly get because, and like I said, I don't even sell them, but I would like to know that what is going down the road, that the trailer that I'm towing down the road is actually capable of towing the load right. that's on it. I mean, it freaks right. me out. It freaks me out. I'm I'm a trailer Nazi too. Just I pull trailers for all of our other stuff that we do too all the time, and and people don't realize how important that is, and because you see it all the time with you know Joe Schmo going down the interstate with a tiny little SUV pulling a 24 foot cargo trailer, and then they're on the side of the road jackknifed, you know, as you're coming back. Yeah. Right. They exactly. Don't realize that towing these anything really but even more importantly a tiny home that you know to be have the trailer rated and not only the tow vehicle rated for what you're actually towing yeah did i tell you can kill they can kill the people you know yeah (laughs) did i tell you guys the story about the builder in florida that asked me to tell me what i thought of his build i was in florida and there was a guy that told me oh, tell me what you think. And I'm like, I don't think you want to (laughs) know. And it's like, no, 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 really. And I'm like, let me tell you who I am first. And then, anyways, long story short, he had built his kitchen and his bathroom and his bedroom loft and his stairs... All in the rear of oh boy. Oh all boy. in the rear of the trailer. So I said, uh, my first question out of my mouth for this particular builder was, "How much ballast do you have to add to take it down the road?" And he's like, "You know that." And I'm like, uh, "Sandbags are required for this particular one." So how'd your tongue weight come out on that one too? And how did you sort of plan for that in advance? You know, we I I don't know exactly what my tongue weight is. I'm uh, guessing it's around 3,000 pounds, so on the heavy side. Um, 
but what I did, um, you know, ours is a 34 foot trailer. So there's a lot of trailer in front of the axles. Uh, and, uh, and so I put the kitchen in the back knowing that we were going to have a lot of cabinetry in the kitchen, a lot of, uh, appliances, you know, so the per square foot, that's the heavier portion, but, um, but knowing that in front of the tray, in front of the axles, I have the bathroom, the loft, the master bedroom, you know, the water tanks, you know, all those things uh, in front of the axles that, you know, obviously I didn't calculate, you know, pound per pound. But that's kind of the the thought process I went through of kind of trying to balance out as much as possible with, you know, only having so much length behind the axles to, right. to put extra weight behind since the, you know, there's probably um, six or seven, eight feet longer, more floor space in front of the axles than there are behind. Interesting. If you have to choose a compromise, though, heavy tongue weight's better than too light. That's for sure. But um, right, right. But. So, are you? How are you? Um, how, how did you get into the? I know, I know, you were in the traditional building area, but how, how? Why did you decide to go to tiny homes? Well, multiple reasons. Uh, you know, the I've been doing remodels for almost twenty years now, and and in Colorado. Um, you know, the, the winters are rough pulling tools in and out of work trailers and, and having to work outside sometimes and, and that type of thing. So the, one of the reasons was, you know, I love the idea of still doing, you know, being creative, building, you know, making homes for people, but doing it inside a shop where the weather cannot affect me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I like that idea. And then also just the, the fun, we're kind of a build design, uh, company so the you know we're always trying to create spaces for in people's homes so taking that to the tiny home you know is even more so important since we're you know we're so restricted on space you know it's just a fun challenge to 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 try to do and still make it functional and nice and, uh, and work correctly so um and then the third reason is obviously affordability for Northern Colorado is insane housing prices now. Yeah. You know, um, I think I saw last week our in the city of Fort Collins our median home price right now just broke four hundred thousand. Wow. So, there are a lot of people, however, that challenge the notion that a hundred thousand dollars for a tiny house is still not "quote unquote" affordable. Well, that's what I was going to ask. How much is your True. is your tiny house priced at? So that this model is is above a hundred. We started at like 120. So uh, so it is definitely isn't your you know your your affordability on the you know thirty to fifty thousand um, dollar tiny home that a lot of those that are building. Which we certainly could build that. You know we just wanted to. Our mindset behind the model home was to show what we could do. Yeah. You know not necessarily on this one worry about can everybody afford this. You know hindsight. You know, I don't know whether we would have done, we would do that again. Like we're, I'm talking about our second model. We're going to try to hit like a seventy thousand dollar price point. You know, to, no dishwasher. To, no dishwasher. <laughs> you know, exactly. Shall I make you, know? you a list of all the stuff to leave out of <laughs> exactly. the next one? <laughs> right. Right. You know, and so, but still build it at the same quality level because you know, honestly, if if I sell a hundred tiny homes or I sell, you know, one tiny home, it's, I, I need to feel like it goes to that homeowner and is going to work for many, many years. I don't want to, 
I don't want to build forty thousand dollar tiny homes just to sell them. Well, and you you, know, you and, also don't want to build multiple you know tens of thousands of like a hundred thousand or hundred twenty thousand dollar home and have it not work either. Right. Right. So, um, so I would rather, you know, I'd rather not sell a tiny home than sell one that's not built correctly or, or not going to work, or I'm not, I don't have full confidence in it. So if, if that means that our price point is too high for people, then we just have to figure that situation out where, mm-hmm. you know, how we can still build a high quality unit, mm-hmm. um, and, and sell it, you know, so. Is the, is, have you, before you started building a tiny house, have you, had you tried living in a tiny house? No, we haven't lived in one. So our background of um, of the closest thing that to that is we had um, kind of a lake spot up north of uh, our town for about six years. And so we had a fifth wheel that every you know Thursday till Sunday we were living up there uh, at the lake, you know, from about April till October. Um, you know, so we have a lot of time spent in our fifth wheel camper that kind of gave us the idea of what we like and don't like, what works and doesn't work, you know, as far as as uh, living in one, you know, but never full time have we done it. Hmm. So talk about a little bit about, again, um, the guts. What is your um, like, what is your electrical hookup or you, what do you run on propane, if anything? Um, mm-hmm. And what considerations did you take for that for those um, items? So this one we built kind of as a uh, modified from the water systems like an RV style. So we have about sixty gallon holding tanks and a and a electric water pump. We have about eighty gallons of black and gray uh, for waste, and then um, more so for in between trips if you were stopping you know, in a, in a parking lot to stay overnight, getting to your destination. It's made more to, to be set up either permanently in an RV park or, you know, or stayed in something like that. Uh, the electrical system has a f- typical 50 RV plug, but from there it's all, uh, Romex wire, like a residential home. We don't mm-hmm. have it. Are you there? Did we lose you? Luke. Everything. Sorry, Luke, you had cut out after Romex, Romex wire. Oh, okay. Uh, so our electrical system after the 50-amp uh, RV plug is all residential style. So it goes into um, uh, your typical breaker, breaker panel. Yeah. And, and so we have no low-volt system because I didn't want to deal with you know batteries and, and that type of thing and, and inverters and everything. So yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> So, so much so easier that way. <laughs> right. You know, and we can still, you know, on the road, if someone uh, is using it on the road a little bit, you know, I have, it can be hooked up to, you know, a little Honda quiet generator and run the whole system off of that, like a 2000 watt generator, except for the microwave. Right. You know, that's the only thing that pulls, pulls too much power. So, so it certainly can be out there on the road for a couple of days in between stops. Hmm. So, so the, what what are you experiencing as like their your major challenges for uh, <laughs> in starting a com- in starting a company like the one you have here? Are, are, is it is it different than the construction you were doing before? Or? Uh, yeah, I think the, the you know I've been in business as far as remodels for a lot of years, so that's runs very simply now because you know I've 
very well established in that side of the business and you know my phone just rings and you know type of the thing that when can you start not you know what's the bid what's you know all that type of stuff Mm -hmm. uh so that's it's very fluent now of you know of that side of my business uh the tiny home business is obviously uh the building portion is similar you know not exact but similar so that that side of it um you know i think we have uh, a good grasp on it's the the other side of getting them sold getting them placed you know finding that customer that it's going to work getting them financed you know so i think that's without a doubt our biggest challenge uh right now we've had uh about three customers ready to pull the trigger but can't find one of those two things yeah right you know unfortunately so so that's why we're you know i'm not in a huge rush to start building another one until you know i put more effort into talking to the county and trying to get you know placement figured out before we we start just jumping into building you know more units yeah a lot of the builders are are uh, actually a lot of people are saying that the big bottleneck here is the are the states the jurisdictions Mm -hmm. yep the legalities yeah yeah so so that's where i'm kind of focusing the time we're we're still running the other side of our business the remodel side that will obviously you know we all need a paycheck still um so so that's still running uh as we speak and we're you know in my other i won't say spare time but my other time i'm <laughs> working you know trying to to do this other stuff working with the counties you know talking to as many people land developers all that stuff you know to to try to figure out how we can make this happen so people have that you know at least the placement side and possibly the financing might come with that you know how's that so, side so going options out there the the talking with the counties and yeah, stuff. yeah 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 uh you know i've had multiple conversations with planners you know and i have a an actual uh, what they call it, a inquiry on friday mm. you know with larimer county so we'll know more friday you know no, nobody's saying you know we can definitely get this done by any means you know everybody loves the idea you know the planners do but they don't necessarily have the last say that's you know the the chief building officers and and uh, and the head planning officer so yeah so it's it's tough i don't have you know i wish i could say i have more confidence going into that meeting that we're we're gonna make this work but we'll see this is a so, marathon yeah oh, this yeah. is not a sprint yep. and part you yeah. know the first few conversations we all have with government officials is more about conditioning and education yeah. it, it's right. like we can't even switch to the uh um, you know the bottom line or the decision making process until they clearly understand what they are, what yeah. they do, who yeah. wants right. them there, and of course, from that perspective, what's in it for them. So, yeah. make right. sure when you have a conversation, anybody out there, when you have a conversation with a with a any official, make sure that you come at that conversation from a perspective of what's in it for them. Right. Do they want right. to add population? Do they want to add flexible housing? Do you know Tax workforce? Ha- exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. so uh, well, good luck on that. Uh, unfortunately, as we all know, is the major hang-up, which they'll never say, is how are they going to tax them? That's, that's exactly right. right. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. So, Bingo. so, so that's that's you know how we're trying to skirt around saying that without offending them, so they just tell us to leave, you know, <laughs> uh, type of thing. But um, you know, that's that's definitely one of the the conversations that we have to have is you know how do we figure out this so 
you guys feel people aren't just camping out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what they see. They see RVs and, and campers and mobile homes basically. And, you know, the city of Fort Collins is eliminating mobile homes. So we have, wow. we're going to have even more need for this type of housing. You know, they, they're giving, you know, three to five year deadlines for mobile home parks in the city of Fort Collins and they have to leave wow. you know, by that time. What are they, why are they doing that? Because they don't look pretty. Wow. You know, and they don't, and the city doesn't make money on them. You know, we have hmm. in the, Right in the middle of City Fort Collins, there's a mobile home park with 300, I think 350 units in it, and it's all built out, commercial, nice like Targets and Lowe's and all that stuff around it, restaurants, um, and the property that that mobile home park uh, is set on is is a hundred million dollar property. Wow, just the dirt. Wow, <laughs> that makes total so, sense. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So and wow. then you know around the malls and everything, we just have you know six story apartment buildings going up like crazy. You know, and that's what just I drive by it and it pisses me off because, you know, not everybody wants to live in a, an apartment yeah. you know, with, you know, 3000 people around them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So so that's how I'm trying to present this is just another option for people and, you know, an opportunity, you know, that if they don't want to live in a an apartment right next to somebody. So but can't afford a four hundred thousand dollar home. Yeah. Right. You know, so. It's tough. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's tough because the cities are also under their own struggles in terms of trying to make their budgets meet, mm-hmm. and so right. keeping up with housing, whatever, and that too. Yeah, and so and it's hard when you've got you know tens of thousands of people needing a place to live, and you're talking about building something that's going to occupy one family mm-hmm. on, right. on on a on a piece of land that could potentially house maybe five or more. Right. Right. So well, just, that's yeah. the struggle we have. That you know they've the initial conversations with the county, they want us to do this, you know, open zoning is, you know, we're having zoning issues. The the open zoning is where they think they may allow it. Well, open zoning is, you know, from the city of Fort Collins is probably 10 to 20 miles outside of town. Um, well, that just knocked our, you know, our ability to put people that want to live, you know, closer to town, knock them out right away. Yeah. You know, they're not going to drive 20 miles into town just to live in a tiny house. Some people will. Yeah. You know, but but to to make it you know possible for as many people as we can, that just isn't going to work. So, yeah. so just, we'll see. Yeah, and you know, trying to do it in in kind of the more not that Fort Collins is a super dense city, but it's it's getting there between the the tri city area. But yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, Luke, thanks so much for being on the show. It's It's been very sure. interesting technical conversation this time. We don't usually go that deep into the technology. Um, Mark won't let us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tiny House <laughs> listeners, <laughs> Tiny House podcast listeners, thank you so much for tapping into another uh, show. And we're going to have another good one right after this one. So um, stay tuned and thanks for being here. Thanks. Bye. Be good to each other. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>